Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Week 5 XFL Fantasy Flex, the X-Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. In this episode, we're breaking down the Week 5 lines. We're looking at the futures market. We're touching on our favorite DFS plays, and we're highlighting our favorite bets. With me, as always, are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our Director of Predictive Analytics, and Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network. Gentlemen, let's jump into it. For Week 5, we got four games on the slate. The first one on Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, the Seattle Dragons at the Houston Roughnecks. Right now, I'm looking at FanDuel Sportsbook. The Roughnecks favored by 12.5 points, a 45.5 over under. Sean, what do you think of this game? Yeah, so, I mean, originally I had Houston pegged as a 12.5-point favorite. I thought we could possibly see them be as high as, you know, 15.5 or 16. Um, so this is right about where I think it should be. Um, I, I think you could make cases here to, to back Seattle. I think they've been um, a live dog now for a couple weeks. Um, B.J. Daniels, I think, is the QB that will likely help them going forward. Uh, he's a dual-threat option. I think going forward we'll see dual-threat QBs excel in the XFL. Um, they've been able to hang in games. Um, I said last week, you know, they led at halftime each of the first three games. Um, and then uh, last week they put in BJ Daniels at the half and they actually won the second half 13 to six. So they've, you know, won a half in all four games. They're able to hang around. Um, you know, Houston's a different beast. They're clearly the number one team in the league, but you know, with BJ Daniels it injects some sort of um, life into this offense. I could see them uh, hanging close, but I think instead of backing Seattle, Plus 12 and a half three. I'm going to do what I did last week with them um, and just bet the over on this game at 45 and a half. I think them sticking around will just, you know, keep the foot on the gas for the Houston offense. So I think uh, 45 and a half is a bit too low. I thought it would actually be closer to 47 and a half. Um, so I'll, I'll likely be on the over here. Um, and, you know, when it comes to DFS, I think Nick Hawley at 7.1K, he's going to be basically a free square this week. Um, we finally saw him break out last week for a eight-catch, 97-yard, one-touchdown game. He's essentially on the field for every pass play with Cam Phillips, and then they rotate in guys three through, like, eight. So they, they always have four receivers on the field. But Nick Hawley's, you know, on the field for every play. Um, he's way too cheap, and uh, he's a great way to invest in this offense um, on the cheap. But I think he's going to be super high-owned. I think the pivot play for uh, the Houston offense would be um, James Butler this week. He's 6.7K. And I've typically faded him. He's, he's been a little too pricey given his role. But if you do think Houston's going to blow them out, um, he could provide some value here. Um, Houston's been in one-score games the past three three weeks, so Butler hasn't been um, used as much as we saw week one. But if you look at week one when they blew, uh, I think it was LA out by 20 points. That's when Butler had his good game. So he's a sneaky play this week, and GPPs only at 6.7K. 
Sean, to your point about uh, B.J. Daniels and uh, what he could do for this offense, he's 7,200 on DraftKings. So uh, provide some value there if you are willing to pay down and you actually believe in what he can do. And we have seen uh, that those Houston games tend to be high-scoring affairs, to your point about the the over. I have this set more at 13.5, but we're in that same vicinity there. Raybon, where are you with this game? My projected line and – Take what I say with a grain of salt because I had a miserable XFL betting week. I think I went like one in three. Uh, so uh, I've refined the model a little bit, but I have Houston favored by 12 and a half with the highest total, uh, of course, on the slate. I have it pegged at 48 points. And part of that is Seattle, I think, can score a little bit more potently with BJ Daniels at the helm than with, um, you know, with Silver. So this game is probably the best over bet on the entire slate. All of the other four totals I have below 40. So this, there's a nine point difference in my model between this and the next highest uh, game. So uh, like this, uh, like the over. And as far as DFS, I think when you look at what happened last week, you saw, you know, Nick Holly's at a great price. I also think, um, uh, Keenan Reynolds is a guy who his price went down uh, significantly after last week. So I think he's in a good bounce back spot and really just buying the Seattle offense against Houston. As you mentioned, Friedman teams have had to score to keep up with Houston. They played a lot of close games. We like the over in this spot. So uh, I'm looking to invest in the Seattle offense. And I thought about their future. I, I think it's like 25 to one or something. Because you look at some of the other teams and, you know, quarterback issues, a lot of teams having some quarterback issues, the defenders don't look as good anymore, might open it up for one of these teams that started off really slowly to sneak in to the playoffs at the end of the year. So uh, thinking about that as well, but uh, I do love Reynolds in in DFS, ran 96% or more, uh, 95% or more of the routes in all four of the games for the Dragons. Rayvon, to your point about the over, I'm the donkey who bet this at uh, 47 when I saw the line released there, and it's just dropped further down. So I, I might nibble on it a little bit more now that it's at 45 and a half. But uh, sometimes you can be a little too over anxious in betting these opening lines. But uh, I still think opening lines are probably better to uh, to grab when we have the opportunity. Let's get to this second game on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern. The New York Guardians at the Dallas Renegades. Renegades. Right now, looking at FanDuel, favored by eight. Of course, they will be without starting quarterback Landry Jones. So going to the backup in Philip Nelson, a 37-point uh, over under the lowest total on the slate. believe that the under is 4-0 in the Renegades four games and 4-0 in the Guardians four games. Sean, do you have a lean on this game? I'm uh, probably not touching the total, uh, but in regards to the spread, um, you know, New York was my favorite play last week getting seven and a half at home against LA. I think the market overreacted to LA's blowout win over DC, but I still think New York stinks. They're still my lowest rated team by a couple points even. So I'm not looking to take them here on the road. Um, when it comes to Dallas, I think just we have to decide um, if there's much of a drop-off from Landry Jones to Philip Nelson. I've been big on Landry Jones improving the past couple weeks, but you know, I had Dallas plus three. I actually bit once the line went up to three. So I was rooting for them. And the first three drives, when he threw an interception, each of the first three drives, it was it was hard to watch. So, I mean, he was essentially Jameis Winston, where, you know, he was brutal for his team, but great for TFS. Um, so I don't even know if there's much of a drop-off. And Philip Nelson, he looked 
really bad week one, but I mean, he came in for that last drive and he nearly, um, you know, helped tie it up or at least cover the spread. But I forgot who it was. Was it Nagel or Bidette? You know, they fumbled it on the one yard line. So we'd be thinking about Dallas a little bit differently had he they just scored there. So I think the way Dallas is built, um, even if Philip Nelson has a drop off, um, they have a strong running game, pretty good defense. PFF grades them third. Um, and we have to give them credit. They held Houston at 27 points despite the minus four turnover margin. It was actually incredible that Houston wasn't able to capitalize on those first three interceptions and go up by, you know, 20 points. So um, I, I think the defense is pretty good, solid running game. So I think they're able to cover in a spot like this as, you know, a touchdown favorite against a team like New York, who I, I still don't think the offense is good enough to compete. So I'll probably um, be on Dallas here. Um, hopefully the line will go down to like minus seven or something. But I do think, um, you know, the value is going to be on the favorite here. And then when it comes to DFS, I think um, Philip Nelson, he's probably the best value quarterback. I still think P.J. Walker is the best overall QB play, even factoring in price. But, um, you know, he's going to take over this area offense. Probably not as fantasy good as uh, Landry, but, you know, he's going to be able to put up some points at this price. And, you know, he did remind me a little bit of Drew Brees, and it turns out he does emulate his game after Drew Brees. So I'm not comparing him to Brees, but he does have that pedigree of a guy that I think can take over the reins this weekend and put up decent numbers at this at this price. Yeah, Dallas has that bin but don't break defense where – you know, with the exception of the uh, Roughnecks who score on everyone, uh, they have held opponents to, you know, pretty paltry yeah. points uh, differentials. And um, even the Roughnecks last week, they scored 27 points. I believe that's the fewest points they've scored all season. So only two interceptions on the season, only six sacks for the season. You know, both of those are near the bottom of the league, but they just don't give up a lot of points whenever they get in the red zone. So uh, an interesting situation there for the uh, for the Renegades and their defense. Raybon, where are you with this game? My favorite pick in this game is actually the under. I have this set as the the lowest total on the board uh, by pretty far. I have it uh, way down at 32. And I do think that Dallas has some causes for concern with Landry Jones out of the lineup. He was hot and cold, volatile performer, but he he would he was able to get the ball down the field and Nelson, I didn't like what I saw from him in week one. And just Dallas, because they play good defense, I think that they are going to end up keeping this game pretty low scoring. So the median total in the XFL, now we have four weeks of data, so we're getting there, is 38 and a half points. And both of these teams, if you look at the numbers, Dallas games have averaged 37.5 combined points per game. And that is, you know, with that 15 to nine game in week one. And that, and that's the kind of game that you could see again, you know, given the the circumstances without Landry. And then for New York guardians games have also averaged uh, the same amount of points. So both of them average under the total Dallas, I think can play strong D. So I'm, I'm heavy on the, the, the under for this one in terms of DFS is probably obviously my least favorite. If I'm looking at somebody in DFS, Donald Parham still is a guy who sticks out. He's averaging 19.1 DraftKings points per game. I think a guy like Philip Nelson probably going to rely on the team's best receiver. It was a little little concerning that Parham's worst yardage output was in week one where he had only uh, six targets, four catches, 40 yards. He also played the Battlehawks defense, which I think is a pretty strong defense. So 
uh, you know, the, the fact that he still is in his general range and, and has been improving since then, has been running more routes, uh, he got up to 96% last week. Part of that could have been backup tight end Sean Price ended up being a scratch. But uh, I think Parham's still the guy I'm looking for in this game. And then, of course, uh, loving the running backs for the Renegades because this is a game where it, it feels like they're going to wean on that run game and in, in those uh, Cam Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar even more. They've been heavily featuring those guys. Uh, Artis Payne at 16.2 DraftKings points per game. Dunbar at 13.9. Uh, I think both of them are strong values in this game. Probably lean toward Artis Payne, but uh, you can make a case for either of them because I think they'll be involved through the air and on the ground in, in a game where Dallas is missing its quarterback. All right, let's get to the third game of the weekend. We've got the St. Louis Battlehawks, three and a half point favorites on the road at the DC Defenders, a 39 point over under. This line opened at two and a half and has been bets at three and a half corner. Uh, I think some people were probably expecting uh, this line to be even higher, just given that uh, the Battlehawks have looked like one of the best teams in the league. Where are you setting this line? Yeah, this is probably the toughest game of the week to cap. Um, I, I had DC at like plus two and a half at home. I wasn't surprised to see it go up to three and a half, but DC probably looked like, you know, if not a top two team, the best team in the first two weeks. And then the last two weeks, they've looked like the worst team by far. So it's a really interesting situation. You know, do you do you grade the last two weeks heavily or um, do, do we kind of ignore it? I don't know. And uh, I think this is a game where I think the values on DC here, they played uh, back-to-back games on the road and St. Louis played back-to-back games at home. So I think we might be, a perception of them could be an over-adjustment both ways. But still, I, I think Knowing the values on DC plus three and a half, it still feels like gambling to me. And I don't like gambling. <laughs> so it's probably a game I'm going to stay away from um, where I think, you know, the values on DC, but I can't really pull the trigger. There's just something about it. I can't, I can't get behind. Um, and then for, for DFS, I think I'd rather just invest in DeAndre Tompkins for a third straight week. He's busted two straight weeks. You know, he was 60% GPPs um, in week three and then 30% last week. He ended up going catchless on three targets but um he was wide open for like a six yard touchdown cardell just overthrew him so if he were able to connect on that you know who knows but he's uh 4.9k i believe this week so again it's one of those things where his ownership's gonna fall to like 10 to 15 percent but the the underlying usage is there and if cardell does get it together this week he could be a good gpp play again this is this is just something where um, the fact that he's going to be low owned and cheaper, I think I'm going to stay on the Tompkins train because, um, you know, he's killed me last the past two weeks, but it's it's going it's to pay off at some point. Raybon, where are you with this game? I, I like St. Louis. I'll put it that way. I think that the number is a, a little small. I, I bet it at two and a half as well. I also took St. Louis on the money line. I'm scared now because Sean had the legendary call last week with the the Guardians. So I do, I do understand that there is inherent recency bias. And I think... All, all three of us would probably agree that as we get more data, the home field advantage has um, kind of stuck out as something that has become pretty important in, in this league. That being said, a couple of things point me toward St. Louis. The first thing is St. Louis is one of the few teams that's been consistently good on the road. They got that win over Dallas in week one, 15 and nine, and then they 
could have won that game against Houston, the best team in the league on the road, if the refs don't miss this offside, an offsides call and Tamu thinks he has a free play, ends up throwing it downfield and gets picked off. And that changed the whole complexion of the game. So we could be talking about an undefeated St. Louis team with two road wins at this point as well. So I still think St. Louis is the better team here. And then for DC, being aware that there is, again, inherent recency bias with DC just playing like complete boiled steamed baked garbage <laughs> over these past two weeks i'm looking at their wins and they're in the first couple of weeks and both of those wins came against teams that i have rated at the bottom of the week so in week one they played seattle week two they play new york and those two teams are actually two of the, the worst rated teams that i think we oh, pretty much consensus wise two of the worst uh, rated teams in the week dc in terms of pro football focus, has the next to last run defense and they are rated last at tackling. They're number four in terms of, of coverage. So I think this could be a good spot for uh, St. Louis to, to to run the football, come in on the road, not, try not to let Cardale rekindle the magic. So uh, I'm looking at, uh, at, at Matt Jones, Kristen Michael, more Matt Jones, maybe a little Keith Ford, but it's, it's been hard to kind of figure out some of these running back rotations outside of Dallas, but I think Matt Jones is still the clear, the clear guy in St. Louis. So I like him at, at, at 7,300 as kind of a contrarian running back play. Like Pearsonell, who even running less routes over these past couple of weeks has just been a target hog when he's on the field. And there's just not a lot of guys consistently producing. So I'm willing to kind of discount the fact that Pearsonell is running fewer routes because he's been under 50%, been at 45 and 47% these last two weeks. And yet his target shares are still 19% and 21%. And for the season, he, he's right around 23%. So one of the highest in the week. So still like DeMornay Pearsonell for St. Louis and, uh, and, and like St. Louis to continue to perform well on the road. For, that was a great call on the, I didn't think of that, but the defenders tackling was so abysmal in that game. They, they just couldn't tackle anybody. I, I petitioned they need to change their uh, team name from the defenders or something else. It was that. <laughs> yeah, like the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final game of the slate, we have the Tampa Bay Vipers at the LA Wildcats. The Vipers are now one and a half point underdogs. They actually opened as one and a half point favorites, but that uh, quickly got bet to the other side. We have an over-under of 40. Sean, where are you with this game? I have LA minus four here. I think both teams kind of saw, you know, their DC destruction game kind of move them a little too much the next week. And I think that's happening with Tampa Bay here. LA did look out of sync last week, but they had to fly east. You know, they were without Spruce. I think we'll have to wait and see um, if Spruce is going to return this week. But, you know, they've only had one week where they have had Josh Johnson, Trey McBride, and Nelson Spruce active, and that was the game they put up the most points by any team this year. I think McBride and Spruce could be the best one-two wide receiver combo in the league. And Josh Johnson himself, I mean, he missed week one due to the thigh injury. He's been limited in practice. He hasn't looked as mobile, and we all know that he's a, a great rushing QB. So I think he's going to only get better um, as he gets his thigh injury uh, gets close to 100%. So I think LA's a team that's on the rise despite – the, the bad performance last week in New York. So I think getting them minus one and a half here, th there's some value there. And then, you know, when it comes to DFS, um, if Spruce is out again, Trey McBride is uh, free square again this week. He's well worth the price 
For a more contrarian um, pivot on this game, I think Jalen Tolliver and Reese Horn, they're both in the mid 5.5K range. Everyone's going to kind of flock to Dan Williams, who who sort of went off last week for seven catches, 72 yards. But really all three wide receivers in this offense are pretty interchangeable. So, you know, just taking the cheaper guys um, this week, I think, is a way to invest. If you think the Tampa Bay offense is a, a team you want to invest in, Tolliver and Reese Horn are, are cheaper options I think I can get behind in GPPs only. McBride is really intriguing. Uh, in week four, he had 169 air yards. And by the way, 169 uh, last week was the, uh, the the high for the slate. In week three, he had 180, which uh, was number two behind only Cam Phillips. So he is being targeted heavily and uh, down the field quite a bit where uh, he can use his speed, use his size uh, really to exploit defenders he's going against. So uh, a great situation for him. Definitely intriguing for DFS. Raybon, what do you think of this game? Yeah, I agree. I bet the Wildcats, they're actually my fourth highest rated team after Houston, St. Louis, and Dallas. And a lot of that is, number one, they made some changes after week one, both on defense and with getting Josh quarterback Josh Johnson back which I think, you know, you have to factor that in to a certain extent. And then, you know, you look at some of the teams that they played, you know, in that stretch where they were, 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 were still kind of getting their footing under them and played Houston in week one, played uh, Dallas at, you know, getting Landry Jones back in week two. Yeah, they played D.C. and New York these past couple of weeks and it didn't look good against New York. But, you know, given the you know, strength of schedule or whatever, it's not really a big knock to lose by three across the country on the road to the the Guardians. I think everyone, as Sean pointed out, is kind of overreacting week to week. But um, I don't really have that dinging L.A. as far as, you know, their team power ranking. It only they only lost for me two tenths of a point for that three point loss in New York. And now you have Tampa Bay having to go all the way to L.A. So I think that uh, this is a good bounce back spot to to buy back on LA. And I also have LA rated as the team with the second highest total on a neutral field. So this game, I have two, two games for me feature top five quarterbacks. One of them, Philip Walker and BJ Daniels. I have them ranked number one and number four in that Houston Seattle game. And then in, in this game, it's Josh Johnson, number three, and uh, Cornelius I have at number five. So I think this game could be some sneaky offense. I think it's a good uh, DFS stacking option if you want to pivot away from the rough next game and try to find a game that could be the highest scoring game of the week that Cornelius is uh one of the top five quarterbacks in the XFL is kind of a sad statement but that uh that is where we are gentlemen speaking of Cornelius and the Vipers I think this is a good point to transition into the futures market if you look right now at uh, I'm looking specifically at FanDuel you have the Houston Roughnecks, no surprise, at the top of the board, plus 185. The St. Louis Battlehawks, which you two weeks ago could have gotten at 10 to 1. They are now plus 320. And then from there, DC Defenders, plus 470. The Dallas Renegades, 6 to 1. The Guardians, 9 to 1. Wildcats, 12 to 1. Vipers, 20 to 1. Seattle Dragons, 25 to 1. Raybon, you mentioned the Dragons earlier, 25 to 1 is the team that catches your eye. I'm looking at the Vipers at 20 to one, and I kind of can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, we are looking at a situation where, you know, if they win, if they are able to get the win this week and we, you know, kind of assume that the, uh, the DC defenders, maybe they lose to the battle Hawks, the battle Hawks are, you know, clearly at that point, the top team in the East. But then after that, we would have 
potentially a three-way tie between the Defenders, the Guardians, and the Vipers at two and three with five games left. Two teams are going to make it into the playoffs from the East. You know, it could really be any of those three teams that could get there. And then, you know, once you're in the playoffs, I mean, really kind of anything can happen. Guys, do you think there's some value on the Vipers at 20 to one? Absolutely. That's a great point. When you start looking up and down a schedule and you realize the path to the playoffs for, for some of these teams, and then you think about how we started the year thinking, okay, Dallas, New York, Houston, D- like we, we had a lot of teams that we thought were good and maybe three bad teams or not, you know, Seattle was kind of at the bottom of that list, but it wasn't exactly clear in, in maybe LA. And now it seems like a lot more teams are closer to the middle of the pack. The only truly dominant team I think has, you can say is Houston and even they've been in some closer close calls these last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of these teams rated close, pretty close together, especially in in that mid pack range. And with uh, a team like Dallas losing its starting quarterback could easily get weakened. The, the, The DC defenders who we thought were good, not quite as good, perhaps just home field or strength of schedule thing with teams that have since gotten better it's a situation where I think it's wide open. This is a good week, actually. You know, last couple of weeks, it wasn't as great after that Battlehawks, you know, call with the, with the 10 to 1 because a lot of the, the better teams are playing games we thought they could win. But now, with, with everything that's gone on, I think there is some value pretty much throughout the, the bottom of the field. I think you want to stay away from the, the, those top uh, two or three teams and focus on teams like the Vipers uh, and, and the Seattle Dragons, you know, Guardians, teams like that that have a path to the playoffs. Sean, anything stand out to you right now in the futures market? Rebound mentioned it, but I think the, the thing to do is go back to week three. We all said it, St. Louis 10 to 1. Bet as much money as you can on that and just let it ride. I think right now, I, I would agree um, with most of these lines. I, I can't imagine anybody taking the DC defenders at less than 5 to 1 right now. So that stands out as a bad line. But, uh, you know, Houston's by far the best team, but I keep mentioning it that. Yeah, and PJ Walker is by far the MVP, but he is taking one or two massive hits a game. He, you know, he dives head first. He tackled a defender. Like they're going to have to tell him to calm down a little bit because he is way too valuable to be um, taking hits like that. So I wouldn't invest in Houston long term like this. Instead, I would just bet Houston week to week because I'm a little bit worried about how Walker is just you know putting his body out there. He's he's that valuable. If he were to miss any time, Houston would be you know just an average team. So uh, I'm staying away from the futures market this week and just letting St. Louis ten to one write it out. All right, guys, favorite bet for the slate. Sean, I want to start with you. Out of the you know the sides, the totals, any way that you're leaning for week five, your favorite bet of the week. I was all in fading them last week, but this week I'm all over L.A. Um, I actually got them when it opened. Um, I think it was plus one and a half, uh, but they're one at minus one and a half now. I still think that's a good number. I think they should be favored just over a field goal here. Again, I think this is the market overreacting to a team blowing out DC uh, last week. That was Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is coming off back-to-back home games. Um, LA just played in New York and now they're coming play here in LA. I'm going to be at the game. So I'm hoping I can give good juju and help them cover the spread. So yeah, I, I'm all in on LA. I bet them up to minus 